Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. It's been a while since I've done one of these, almost 12 full months, actually. I, I put it on the back burner a year ago, but I'm bringing it back. Uh, started the 2022-23 college basketball season. I guess if you count the start of the season as when official practices are allowed to begin, that's today as I record this, Monday, September 26th. The NCAA is allowing college basketball teams to start practices, full team practices. They've had a lot of off-season workouts and things like that, but full team practices start today. That is six weeks out, 42 days out of the first away from the first game of the season is when they allow practices to start. So here we are. It's coming up. It'll be here quick. November 7th is the first college basketball game for the Lobos in the pit. They're playing Southern Utah, and I am going to be returning this podcast to a weekly podcast I think it'll be coming out every Tuesday is my plan, probably post um, late Monday night, actually, as this one will as well. But every Tuesday is my plan to post this Talking Grammar podcast. This one for for this episode, I thought a good starting point on the reboot of the Talking Grammar podcast would be kind of an off-season catch-up with Richard Pitino, uh, set the table, if you will, for the coming season as Richard Pitino enters his second season coaching the Lobo basketball team. What exactly can we expect? I think you're going to find out that there are a lot of high expectations for this team from the media around the country and the media around the Mountain West Conference. I interviewed him last week. Uh, he talked. We talked about 40 minutes and kind of covered the basis of, of what happened this offseason with the pieces the team has added about those expectations. I will, as you'll see here in just a couple minutes um, before I share the interview with you, I'm going to give you my preseason Mountain West power rankings, and you'll see that I have the Lobos pick third. Pretty big jump from ninth last year. I think most people around media and around the Mountain West Conference are going to have them in the preseason in the four or five range. Um, Some may still have them six or seven, and there are some people out there in the media that have already posted their their off-season predictions, their preseason prediction predictions for the Mountain West, and sure enough, the Mountain West or the the UNM Lobos rather are picked in that three-four range by a lot of the media out there already releasing their pick. They did add a couple coaches or, or one assistant coach, one special assistant to the head coach, and Dave Pilipovich, who's returning after a year away. As for the roster, um, I think you're going to like what Richard Pitino had to say about the Jalen House Donovan Dent kind of um, going at it. Their, their competition daily in practice at that point guard spot. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch those two play this year. They have not backed off their praise for Donovan Dent. He is the Mr. Basketball in California, the the freshman out of Centennial High in, um, out in California. And I just think that people are going to, going to realize that the, the Lobos may I, – I need to see him play a little bit more. I've seen him play and practice a little bit, but I need to see him play a little bit more. But it, it sounds by all accounts from Lobo basketball coaches and staffers that they they think they have the – as it was well, as Richard Pitino says, the point guard of the future, and he pushes Jalen House every day. Fascinating stuff to hear Pitino um, talk about that dynamic and how Dent is making House better every day in practice. The Lobos also added two really big, really physical transfers – this offseason, Morris Udezi, who's going to be the starting center, and Josiah Alec, who I think will be – there's only one position in my mind that's kind of up for grabs in the starting five, and I think Josiah Alec and um, Jay Allen Tovar at that four spot for the Lobos is sort of the one spot that I don't know for sure who I think will start, but I, I would lean right now towards the transfer Josiah Alec because I think that adding that physical – 
defensive presence, which he does, certainly more so than Jay Allen Tovar showed at, at really at any point last year on the defensive side. He's, a, he's an offensive talent, no question about that. But the, as far as the physical defense and the discipline on the defensive side of the board or ball, I do think Josiah Alec brings that. So I think I'm going to right now lean towards he's going to be the starter. Again, we're six weeks out. So, you know, pump the brakes a little bit on all these predictions being set in stone. But Patino tells you who his offseason MVP was on the team, and it was Javante Johnson. Really good stuff talking about that as well. So all that's coming up here in just a couple minutes. I'm not going to belabor this much longer. Um, I'll get to the interview after I give you this top, I guess, 11. I was going to say my my preseason power rankings for the Mountain West. And and pretty much, again, with the expectations that the, the Lobos are going to make a huge jump, here is how I am going to rank them on my preseason ballot, which is due coming up here in a couple weeks. I'll start from the bottom. In the bottom tier is number 11, Air Force, and number 10, San Jose State. Those are still the bottom two teams in the conference in my mind, and there's a little gap between them and the next tier. That next tier, there's a four-team four grouping of 6, 7, 8, and ninth place in the preseason poll that I, I don't care what order you put these four in, but for now, I'm going to go 6, 7, 8, 9 in any order can be Fresno State, Nevada, UNLV and Utah State. I think they all have big question marks. I don't like necessarily the pieces on the roster on any one of those four right now, any one of those four teams right now, um, because there's just so many unknowns. There's another gap in my mind between this the second tier in the league, which is teams two through five. And I'm going to go in order. Number two, Wyoming. Number three, New Mexico. Number four, Colorado State. Number five, Boise State. I think all four of those teams can finish in any in any order in that top four. Although Wyoming has the best case to make to be able to challenge the undisputed in my mind, the clear cut favorite in a tier of their own, and I think they'll be a preseason top twenty team nationally. And that's San Diego State. I do think the Aztecs have established themselves as the best team going into the season, and they have the pieces and added a couple more new pieces to what is already a really good roster. I think they're going to be the clear-cut favorite going into the season. I would be shocked if they don't win the Mountain West this season, and I do think they will be ranked in the preseason. So there you go. My power rankings, way too early, I know, but my preseason power rankings for the Mountain West Conference, in order, San Diego State 1, 2 Wyoming, 3 New Mexico Lobos, 4 Colorado State, 5 Boise State, 6 Fresno State, 7 Nevada, 8 UNLV, 9 Utah State, 10 San Jose State, 11 Air Force. So there you go. There's our what I kind of the snapshot of the year of the of the league rather going into this season as practices start. Um, without further ado, I'm not gonna not gonna do too much more talking here. I do want to say really quickly again, I'm gonna be doing this podcast on a weekly basis now. Please subscribe, please rate this podcast, please give us feedback, let my bosses know. Um, email anybody at the journal, email myself, ggrammer, abqjournal.com. I'll share your feedback at Jeff Grammer on Twitter. That interaction is good. It's valuable. It helps me with these podcasts. It also helps my bosses know what you think about this. So rate, subscribe, listen on a regular basis, all that good stuff on wherever you got this podcast. And I appreciate you guys for being back. I'm excited to be back with all this too. And here you go. Without further ado, here is the conversation I recorded last week, but a preseason conversation with Lobo head basketball coach, Richard Pitino. 
happy birthday. And I'm curious when you turn 40 and you have been considered that young coach for how long now, like your entire life or since you've been coaching, like uh, 40 still very much considered a young coach, but you've been at this for so long. I don't know. Do birthdays. Well, I would say 40 definitely. It doesn't mean anything because I don't, I'm not, I don't love attention. I'm not. So birthdays are not for me because I don't love all the attention. Um, but 40 was definitely kind of an eye opener. Like, okay, all right. Now you're, you're not the young guy anymore. You're kind of in this maybe third phase of your life. Um, so yeah, it, it just kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Uh, but I do agree kind of to your point, like, and, and I try to explain that to people with humility, like not a young head coach or, or I am a young head coach, but I'm not inexperienced. Right. This is year 11 for me being a head coach. So it is weird. Um, I have to now tell myself mentally, you're not old, you're still young. Um, but it was, I mean, it was good. I, I was able to uh, fly to New York. My, my dad's birthday was Sunday. So mine was Friday and uh, all the family, family came from Florida and uh, New York and we spent a good weekend together. So it is weird though. I won't be making any 40 under 40 lists or any of that stuff anymore, but I still feel young. The, uh, I think it's, it's interesting. Well, first of all, I want to ask about the birthday dinner. You, you guys, the whole family got together. I imagine that'll probably be the last big get together before December when he visits you in Albuquerque. Um, yeah, probably. I don't think, I think Jill's parents are coming for Thanksgiving. So, um, that was probably the last one. We all, we all got together in New York city. Uh, Friday, and then we got together Saturday for my dad's birthday in Westchester, where they live. Um, so that'll probably be the last one. I mean, we did we talked about the game here because I think everybody wants to come, but I don't know if they do want to come because they don't want to be a part of one coach losing. Um, but it is a good opportunity to get because I want them to come out and see Albuquerque. You know, I mean, because it's such a unique, cool place. Um, that December will be the opportunity for them to do that. The 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 game, obviously, and I'm not going to just totally talk about the game this whole time. I got some stuff about your actual team to talk about. But, you know, the I heard you on uh, Jeff and JJ a week or two ago kind of talking about a tweet again. Um, your, your dad on Twitter is a unique thing um, because he's – he, he peppers it with, uh, you know, like his arm around somebody and all these – he likes showing off who he's uh, who he's around a lot. But he also likes taking shots every now and then at uh, at the best backcourt in the nation and and the uh, the game coming up in Albuquerque and how he uh, he's not afraid to spank his children and stuff like that. So uh, I'm curious, uh, do you guys have any conversations about his, his humor on Twitter about the upcoming Lobo game? Well, I, um, I played him – in golf on Saturday and I returned the favor and gave him a little spanking on his home course. And I said, that's for all the Twitter jabs about the game. Um, so I paid him back for that, but uh, you know, this is what he does. I mean, I think he really likes our backcourt, but he also is kind of half jokingly hyping him up. Um, but I saw Rob Lanier, who's the head coach of SMU and Rob Lanier had just gotten the job. I worked with Rob at Florida for two years and Rob came up to me. He's like, I didn't realize your backcourt was that good. I said, why are you asking? He goes, I just saw your dad and he was hyping up your backcourt. So that's part of his deal. He's got a little Lou Holtz in him where he hypes up the opponent. So he'll keep doing it. Um, but I do think he's excited. I mean, I, 
it's kind of different than we played twice before. And one was a bye game when we played when I was at FIU. So that was more to fund our program. And, hey, we get to go to Louisville and experience that. The, the Minnesota game that was on a, an air, uh, a Coast Guard base in Puerto Rico, that was certainly one that I expected to win. He expected to win. But this one's a little more unique, I think, because it's, it's on our home court. Um, so as I said before, I did it to get a sellout in the non-conference. I mean, that was the goal. I want to get – we got to get people – engaged in mobile basketball to where it was seven, eight years ago, you know, before COVID or whatever, maybe not that long ago. Um, and I think it's a good opportunity to do that. I, I think too, these are two teams that are in unique spots where I, I think these are going to be two top hundred teams this year. Um, you guys still have a, a little gown, ground to, to, to make up from where you were to, to get there. But I think you guys should be top hundred, I think is a kind of a fair barometer, but yeah, I think it's a good – the reason I played it is not so that, you know, father, son, that whole storyline, like that's going to pe- get people talking about New Mexico, which is great. But honestly, it's like you said, it's a great net game for both teams because Iona certainly is going to win 26, 27 games, my guess. I, I don't know their team very well, but they're always picked to be the favorite of that conference – so for us, it could be a potential quad one win. And for them, because it's on the road, it could be a quad one win for them as well. So I just thought, regardless of the father-son thing, it just made a lot of sense. I will uh, get back to basketball in a second. This offseason, kind of as we're putting a bow on this, and as we record this, you guys are less than a week now away from the NCAA allowing the official start of practices, the – for those that don't know, it's a 42 days from the first game. You get to have 30 official practices or, or exhibitions and all that. So you guys are, are getting going, but it's not like you haven't already been with these guys. But before we get to these guys and, and the workouts you've had and kind of the status of the team going into the season, um, any more on this offseason? Did you guys get to do anything fun? I know this was – you've been here a year now. I think New Mexicans are really big on always asking the the newcomers like to – prove their New Mexico loyalty and, you know, always ask you, how much do you like New Mexico and, and ask you about all these things? But I'm just curious what you did this off season in year two, kind of how it was different than, than your first year. And are you guys settling in now that you're a year and a half in? You're talking personally or as a team? Personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, year one is really, really hard. Um, anywhere I've been, not that part of it is not hard because it's the lowest expectations will ever be, which is kind of nice, right? Um, but you're dealing with so much because as a coach, you want to be out in the community. I know that being a Lobo basketball coach is important to people, uh, but then you have the COVID dynamic where you couldn't do as much when I had first gotten there out in the community. Um, but now that restrictions have been somewhat lifted for the most part, it's been really good to be able to get out and meet people. Um, year two for my kids' schools has helped as well because it's not a new school anymore. You know the teachers, you know all those things, uh, which has been great. So it feels like home. It really does. I mean, any, anytime you move from Minnesota, which is totally different culture to New Mexico, with three little kids, it's going to feel different. And it, it did feel different. But I tell you what, I mean – I do say this, and it's not just coach speak. 
I like it here every day a little bit more. I really do. Um, I appreciate the, the unique culture. I appreciate the climate is amazing. Uh, the quality of life. I mean, it's, it's, there's not a lot of traffic. It's easy. People are friendly. Uh, so it's been cool. I mean, it's um, cause I'm not one of those guys that's going to be so out there right away in your face. I like I like it to feel organic and I think it's starting to feel that way. So it's uh it's been great and it definitely feels like home. Going into, I guess, staff changes this off season, there was really only the one, um, and, and that was you guys obviously have Tarvish Felton on staff now. I guess let's just update people that don't know him from last year. What is he going to bring to this to this team, and and uh, how is he fitting in? I guess so far, and a month, one month yeah. in. And I would say probably two if you really count it with Dave Pulpovich, um, and then Tarvish. So you know, it's, uh, to start with Dave, you know, Dan McHale kind of getting out of the coaching side of it and getting into the search firm side of it. I was always really impressed with Dave Pilipovich's just demeanor on a daily basis with the little time that I had with him because he was kind of on that transition part of it. His professionalism, uh, which I loved. So he has been awesome through when I hired him. Well, then Andy Hill leaves to go back home to Montana. And the first thing I thought was, okay, maybe I'll consider bumping Dave back up. And he was so um, just professional about it. He said to me, he said, I know why you brought me here. You wanted me to kind of be that special assistant to you and help you run the program. And to his credit, he was like, don't, don't bump me up, go go find a guy that you want, which was great. And only a guy who's been in this profession with that maturity would understand that. Um, Then I set out, it was hard to replace um, Andy that late. Um, and, but I wanted to be really, really patient. I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was beginning of July, maybe, but I wanted to make sure I got the right guy. And Tarvis has been, his energy has been phenomenal. I wanted to have a guy who I just feel like we're close to making a jump. I didn't want to have a staff member that I had to teach and groom. There's a time for that, but we only, we only won 13 games last year. So although we're optimistic about where we need to be, I wanted to make sure I brought in another seasoned veteran to go along with Eric and and Isaac and Tarvis has been that he's got great uh, mountain West ties. Obviously he won at Utah state Fresno is a program that I have a lot of respect for. So he's been very, very um, just valuable on the court. And as well as in recruiting, he's got a lot of really good ties. I'm glad you mentioned Dave too, because I, I mean, maybe it's because I've known him for a while in the league, but he was also here just a year before I forget that's an offseason acquisition too that that's a new one for this yeah. offseason but um a lot of people are familiar with him he's I know a big uh Pittsburgh Steelers fan so I don't know how he's doing right now but do you guys talk sports a lot around the office a lot a lot no I gave him I gave him crap about the Steelers um because I I'm a Giants fan but I have kind of a weird history with Bill Belichick where we've known each other so I always root against the Patriots so yes and I also am a Yankee fan and the Pirates are the most abysmal uh, program I, or franchise I've ever seen. So we give him crap about that as well. He grew up, uh, if I remember correctly, from actually, I think I heard it. He told me the story when he was on one of these podcasts. So um, grew up, uh, in a, I think his parents ran a bar there in Pittsburgh area and kind of grew up in a bar in a sports environment, um, watching all the games at the bar. So he, he is a good piece to have around, obviously, for a whole lot of reasons. He's great. And in my opinion, he needs to be a head coach again. He probably doesn't want to hear that from me, 
So, you know, I mean, he, he's very valuable to me. Um, hopefully we have a great year and hopefully we can, he may not want it, but um, hopefully we can find him a, a great spot because I've, I've been lucky. I've had, I think three assistants become head coaches and uh, with Ben Johnson, who's at Minnesota right now, Mike Bellato, who's at Arkansas state and Dan McHale was at Eastern Kentucky. And uh, Dave needs to be that next one, or maybe one of the guys on our staff. Well, he and I know he's here with his wife, and his his kids are growing up now, and he's a little more mobile. But I I ran into him in the offseason one time where you got he he said he loves Isotopes Park, and and you went out there a couple times. For for those that don't know, I mean I I know, and I just assume people know, but I I don't know if people know you you rented out a suite a couple times and had your whole staff and kind of went over there. I I've been here you know ten years covering. Lobos and, and a lot of the isotopes during those years. Recent years, it's a lot of isotopes for me, but um, I don't recall the last time, if ever, I've seen uh, you know, a coach kind of rent out a suite and just invite his whole staff over there. I know Lobo and UNM um, coaches and, and administrators go to games sometimes, but I thought that was really cool that you did that not, not just once, you did it a couple times. I remember Pilipovich telling me how much he liked that park, but you like it too, yeah. you and your family. Yeah, I did it three times, and I'll do that every year moving forward. I, I think... Um, it's very important for me, obviously, to be out in the community and do things like that. And I love going to the Isotopes or the United or whatever options that we have locally to do because I love sports and I love my kids to be a part of that. But it is very important for me that the coaches and their families are in a good spot as well and that I'm able to take care of them and do things like that. Uh, I was just telling my wife, I think it was yesterday, hey, we need to find a date where we can have all the, the, the husbands and the wives on the staff, uh, maybe do El Pinto or something, you know, and do some dinners, uh, things like that. So it's a good way to take care of everybody. But I want, I tell every staff member here, I want you to be a great father. I want you to be a great husband um, because this needs to be a family environment. And I, I do think um, that'll all make us better coaches. So I try to do it and uh, include everybody and make this one big family. How did the offseason go recruiting-wise? I, I know you've talked before, and we don't need to necessarily rehash the all the differences between Zoom recruiting versus you know, in-person, but you, you did get back to the in-person. And um, Anything you kind of took from the COVID years that maybe will stick? Maybe some Zoom meetings? I don't know. Yeah, we, we, we discussed that the other day. There is value in the Zoom recruiting. It just can't be everything. Um, like I've been out the last two weeks – to see kind of our top targets um, and to make sure I have a presence, you know, this time of year, you try to really be in there once a week as much as you can until those full-time practices start. But we've got to be creative in the zoom space, whether it's film presentations where, Hey, you know, instead of flying out there, how do we be somewhat budget conscious and time conscious, but Hey, we want to get with so and so and so's recruit and show them this edit that we made or, maybe a facilities tour for the new guys. So the beginning process used to be, let's get on the phone and then let's meet in person. I think now it's get on the phone and then let's do a Zoom presentation. And then if everything looks good, then we do the in-person stuff. So we got to use it. We, we got to use the Zoom part of it. What I didn't like about the Zoom part of it was that was everything. I mean, they didn't get to meet the players. They didn't meet, get to meet the coach staff. So I don't know. I always tell Eddie all the time. I'm like, well, how come you inherited a tough situation and Danny inherited a tough situation, but I didn't inherit a tough situation. We added eight players off of Zoom. There wasn't a lot of go recruiting. 
Um, but it's nice to be able to get campus going a little bit better, you know, where there's kids on campus, they can see it. But I tell you what, I thought we did a pretty good job with bringing in almost the whole team off the Zooms with some really nice young pieces. Pieces that weren't like one year and then gone kind of pieces. I mean, you, you guys were able to bring in some pieces that are going to be two, three-year pieces, four-year pieces maybe. Um, so, so that was impressive because even pre-Zoom, that had started to fade a little bit where that wasn't happening at a lot of programs. Um, I, I am curious, you, you mentioned Danny and Eddie, and you're, you've gone to some Lobo football games, the excitement that they got for football over there. I mean, they're big one this weekend, obviously, I know, but Dan, Danny and you um, getting along is, is football and basketball hasn't always got along here. Um, I'm not going to try and stir up anything in the past, but like you two getting along seems pretty genuine too. And um, it seems like you guys are excited and, and uh, how much have you liked watching Lobo football early this year? Yeah, I, I would say what kind of shaped me was my years at the university of Florida. Um, and you had football who was winning national titles, but you had an athletic director in Jeremy Foley, who was very passionate about winning in basketball too. Um, and I saw the way that both worked together and the jealousy was not there. Um, for one, I think Danny is a really good person and I'm rooting for him, regardless of how football being good can be- benefit my men's basketball program. Like, I really like him. I really like his wife, Sandra. Like, they're really good people. Um, so I gravitate towards that. Um, but from watching just the way he does it, like I go over to practice all the time and I, and I love watching the way he coaches. Um, I love the identity of their team. I know that it's really, really hard in football. They haven't been great in the past. They probably haven't had as much tradition as men's basketball has. And I know Danny's changing that, but I understand the value of, of football. Like I really do like any AD in the country, doesn't matter where you are, New Mexico, Obviously, basketball is important. You saw what happened at Kentucky, right? When Calipari said, this is a basketball school. Like, football is king. Football has a chance to bring in 40, whatever the capacity is, or 40,000. Yeah. That impacts everybody. And when we have recruits on campus and University Stadium is buzzing, like, that impacts everybody. So I'm rooting for him because I really like him. And I think he's about all the right things that I'm about and – a lot of these coaches in the department are about, but we need football to get going. If we get football going and we get men's basketball going, it could really solve a lot of problems. And I know it means a lot to Eddie. Like I have a high level of respect for how he does things. So we're all in this together. He shows up to a lot of basketball games too. I mean, he, he's still, he's still a fan and he was a, you know, grow up and could probably tell you more about the past Lobos than, than you've gotten to learn in your year and a half here yeah he's like a history buff with all that stuff i don't know how he remembers all of it i can't even remember in order for me to remember something i have to go all the way back from 2022 he knows it um but yeah it's it's any chance one of the first things that eddie said to me when i got the job was i need you to be involved in all the sports because when i got here whenever that was five six years ago it wasn't like that and they, I don't think they were all pulling for each other. And morale was low in the department. I don't know what the fault of any of that was, but the bottom line is if I have a chance where I can go to a volleyball game, I'm going to go. And if I have a chance where I can go to a soccer game, I'm going to go. And um, that's what the college experience is all about. But I do think it starts from the top with Eddie. You guys have a 
a basketball season coming up um, just a little over a month before an exhibition game. Um, about 50 days, I guess it is, less than that now, before game one, November 7th. So um, what's, uh, I guess, just the quick snapshot, but then I kind of want to go maybe position by position or maybe player by player a little bit, but more kind of position group by position group. But for now, the, the quick snapshot of this offseason, um, I, I know I've reported on the, the new players. You, you guys addressed what you needed. But what, what maybe concerns you going into the season, and, and what is the highlight of, of the offseason in terms of what you addressed? Well, I think the concerns are um, we haven't done it together. So as much as I am excited about the four freshmen with Mac included and then the two transfers, I believe I'm not leaving anybody out. So, so those six guys like, right. I'm good. Yeah. All of them are absolutely going to impact the program in a positive way. And I think you're going to see it. But what we've never experienced is the adversity of injuries, um, a losing streak, like all those things. Because I do think when you look at our team, the expectations will be clearly risen. Uh, and rightfully so, because we worked our butts off with what we brought in last year and then this year, and we feel really good about it. But I have no idea how adversity, what's going to happen when it hits. Are we going to stay together as a team? But I think that's part of the modern world of transfer portal recruiting, where you can on paper flip it, but then who knows what you get. Um, but I'm really excited about all of them. I mean, I think Donovan Dent is really, really talented, very talented. And what's great is Donovan Dent has brought a lot out of Jalen House because he pushes him every day because House knows, all right, like that, that's my competition. He's my teammate, but he's my competition. Really, really healthy and very, very positive when you're building a program. Um, Braden's been impressive. He's at, he, he's, he makes shots. He's got size. He's got skill. Quentin's got phenomenal athleticism. Um, Morris and Josiah are adults. I mean, they're, they're what, you know, when you take an older transfer, you know, Morris obviously is one year, Josiah's got two. You just, you look at it a little differently. You can talk to them a little bit differently and they understand uh, what goes into it. So uh, I'm excited about what we've been able to do in a short amount of time. Um, because when I took this job, I don't know if I anticipated being preseason top four or top five in year two, but I think the transfer portal can, can flip things a little bit quicker. Um, tough, tough non-conference schedule. You know, er, er, the average number of wins is 21 of our opponents. So they may not be the sexy name, but they can beat us. Like none of them are going to be easy. So uh, we will be challenged, but I, I'm really excited about it. I, I do think you know, critics, and there's always critics come scheduling time. Um, I think any critic of the of your guys' schedule doesn't maybe appreciate how good some of these teams are off the radar um, because they aren't the, the names. And you, you kind of said that, and I'm not asking you to necessarily comment on fans' reactions to schedules. I, I will say it myself. I, I think it's a, a, a decent schedule, and I, I think that um, – it just doesn't maybe have the name recognition that fans want, but I don't think name recognition happens in non-conference scheduling much anywhere anymore. You have neutral court games, but nobody's playing on the road that, that are coming out of that perennial top 25 kind of range anymore. So the names don't really come to the pit. Yeah. I mean, we will try. So it's not going to be a lack of effort. When I first got the job, 
we weren't good enough. Nobody wanted to schedule us because our net was 303. I've said it a hundred times just to annoy you. But now people look at our team and say, okay, they were a hundred and whatever, 40-ish or so in the net. We feel like they'll be better. Do we want to lose to them? So I don't know if we'll be better or not, but that's kind of the, the hard part about scheduling. What I told Dan McHale when we were working together and then Andy Hill during the transition and then Dave Pilipovich was – Let's schedule teams that win a lot of games. And Southern Utah won 23, South Alabama 21, SMU 24, New Mexico State 27, Jacksonville State 21, North Dakota State 23, Northern Colorado 22, St. Mary's 26, New Mexico State 27, and then Iona 25. So have I cracked the code with scheduling? No, I have not. But they keep telling us schedule teams who win a lot of games in their conference. Um, so we've done that. If, if you told me I could get Arizona and home and home in the pit, I would do it. I would. So we'll continue to try to get that marquee game. I have said before, New Mexico State, playing them twice is it kind of challenging when because that's always going to be there. And that's a rivalry game. That's an emotional game. Um, but I'm always going to try. I kind of look at Iona as that marquee matchup. I'll always try try moving forward to have something like that. I think too um, going into the season, and you mentioned you didn't mentioned you didn't expect being a top four to five team. Um, again, this interview part will be part of a, of a podcast where I am going to also include my kind of preseason top um, rankings myself. I, I have you guys as a preseason three. I think um, there might be a couple people that that maybe even inch you up higher, probably maybe, but I think threes where a lot of people are going to have you at. You might be in that three, four, five range. But, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been critical of the team, I think, at times, and I've, I've been maybe overly optimistic that the team's going to be good at times in the, in the past 10 years. But, but I really do think that you guys will be three, and, and you guys know that. That's not a number that surprises you. There's others that are, have already predicted you guys at three. Are the guys handling that well? Do they, do they know that, or do these guys just not even really pay attention to much of any of that? I don't know if it's that they don't, they don't pay attention to preseason rankings. I, I, I happen to think there's a formula of how everybody's picked always. And, and you look at our team, we have two all-conference players back, so that helps. Um, so that's always going to be beneficial, where if you lose a lot, you're not going to be picked high. So um, I think they, over the workouts over the summer and the fall, I think they see potential in a really good team. And I think that's more important to them maybe of what preseason picks may be. And I think they all see, like, well, we got some talent here. We got some size. We got some physicality. Um, we got some young guys who are going to become better. Um, so I think they're eager in that. Uh, I don't, I'm not a big, this is what the goal is, you know, Mountain West champs. Like, of course, that's what we're trying to build towards. But I want them operating in a championship fashion every single day. And I see the change for sure in the confidence in them this year, more so than last year, we were building. Let's go kind of position group by position group. Um, I, I kind of I just listed the guards and the forwards, but I, I guess with with the guards, I mean, you, you mentioned Donovan earlier. Uh, let me ask about the Donovan Jalen dynamic. Jalen is a guy, and and in practice a little bit too, but more so in the games where he feeds off that guy he's playing against, and and again, you know, there's trash talk and all that kind of stuff, and it's not disrespect. It's just how he. It's how he plays. I mean, he, he had one, you know, he him and Marcus Shaver are really good friends. They went at it with the Boise State games and stuff. 
So I'm curious how Donovan has handled that. If, if there was ever any issues with, hey, you're going to be going in practice every day against a guy that's going to try and get in your head just because that's how he operates. That's how he plays. But also I want to know how uh, Jalen has handled when Donovan has pushed back and, and played well. Jalen and I have had a lot of good talks about like, – like last year he had moments of you got to play with emotion and you got to get the crowd going. And you got to – don't make it about yourself though. And I think he had moments there where he made it about himself and he needs to find a way. Can we have a happy medium where you're making a shot? Like you don't need to be punching yourself in the head. Like we need to get back or whatever. Right. But I don't want to, I don't want to take that away from you, that spirit and that enthusiasm because you're fun to watch, but just make sure you're dialed in on the next play while you do that. Um, But as it pertains to Donovan, like we were very transparent with Donovan. We feel like Donovan is the point guard of the future and maybe one of the best young point guards in the Mountain West. I think he's terrific. The competition that you're going to get against Jalen House on a daily basis is going to be great for you. Um, and that's what's going to make you be that all-conference player whenever that is, because I believe he can be that. Jalen, what I've seen more than anything is this flip with Jalen, because Jalen – He's great. Jalen's one of my favorite players I've ever coached. Everybody thinks like I hate him because I always yell at him all the time. I love Jalen House. But he's not always focused and dialed in all the time. And Donovan Dent's bringing that out of him. And that's been really good for House. I know uh, the the background with you and MASH has been talked about a lot. I, I actually interviewed um, MASH's dad right after the end of last season. And then we had to delay the story a couple weeks. And it turned into I still haven't written it, but I'm writing it before this season from an interview from months ago now with, with Jamal Mashburn Sr. and just his loyalty and he how he felt loyal to you through the transition coming to New Mexico, all that stuff that's sort of been talked about. I'm, I'm curious from you, Mashburn going into year two, is there any, um, did, did, is there any complication with Jalen creating such a profile of his own and, and kind of a, I think people look at this team, not necessarily as Jalen's team or Jamal's team, but like, I think Mash was the guy last year going into the year everyone knew about, and they were curious about Jalen. But now there's some people that look at this team and think, okay, as Jalen House goes, this team goes. Has Jamal handled all that well? I mean, yeah. there's two stars, I think. I think they're both really good players. I don't. If you ask me, my son Jack asked me all the time, who's the best player on your team? And I'm always like, I don't really know the answer to that. So we need them both. Um, Mash is really, really – I'll tell you this about – what you said with the story about mass choosing here. I've had 10, I've had some really good years. Like, although I was fired, like I had some really good years and then I've had some rough years. Um, But I would say one of the proudest moments I ever had was when I was fired, maybe a day or two after Jamal calls me and says, coach, tell me where you're going. And I'm, and I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. That was validation for, okay. Like, cause you can get down on yourself when you get fired and to have a really good player say, I'm all in on you was amazing. Um, as for, you know, House's team, Mash's team, it's everybody's team. I, I really preached to them, although Mash, you were all conference, and House, you were all conference, we won 13 games. So, like, if we need to sacrifice, we're going to do that because although we'll be picked higher, like, we're not satisfied at all with what last year was. So it may have been good for you individually, but it's going to be all about the team now. Um, And Mash has handled it great. Mash is is diligent. Um, He is focused. 
and he just wants to win. Mash understands what the formula is for where he wants to get to because Mash wants to play at the next level. But he knows he can't do that alone. Javante, the MVP of the offseason, did I hear you say that? No doubt. He, he has been, and I don't shy away from that. He has put on weight. He's stronger. His body looks amazing. His work ethic, I would have said last year, Jamal Mashburn is by far the hardest worker on the team, and nobody rivals him. Javante's rivaling him right now. Um, so he's been rock solid. I mean, he has been durable. He has been consistent, and he works his butt off. They were complaining. We just had an individual. Guys are complaining, well, the floor is slippery because Javante's sweating too much. And I'm sitting there going, are you serious? Well, if you'd work harder, you'd sweat more. Uh, so I think he's primed for a really good year, knock on wood, he stays healthy. And those bigs, you brought in the two guys, um, Morris and, and Josiah, obviously. Um, they, they bring two things. They bring some much-needed physicality and strength. They bring a couple extra bodies when, when you need some big bodies just to even play because you guys you know, lost two going into the season really last year. But um, did, did have they provided what you thought they would to this point? The season hasn't even started. And are they pushing Jay Allen Tovar? Are they pushing Sebastian now that he's back? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it's it's to the point where we're kind of recruiting some guys, and I'm saying, hey, if we take an older guy, that's the disposition that they need to have because Josiah and Morris, they're all business, all business. Um, you know, they're, they're just veterans in every way. And the younger guys, whether it be Jay or, or Barima or Sebastian, like, the problem, not the problem with last year, but it was constantly me talking to them. Well, now I'm starting to hear Josiah and Morris and those guys pulling them in and saying, hey, man, if you want to get to where this is, this is what it needs to look like. That is the absolute key to success is having older guys in your program that are talking the right way. So they've brought that to go along with, I think they're really good players. I mean, there's not a rebound that's available that they won't try to go after. Um I always look back to – we, and there were some really good teams in the league, obviously, but I look back to Boise State and San Diego State and the physicality that those rosters have. Yeah, you guys weren't on that level. We were not on that level at all. I think we'll, we'll see it with a good amount of guys. Now we need to get the Barimas and the Jays and the Sebastians physically up to that level. And then, and then obviously Donovan, Quentin, and Braden. Look, I'll, I didn't even think it'd go this long, but I appreciate your time. Um, kind of wrapping up. I know next week is the first official practices, but we're still a little bit about, about a month away. We haven't done a whole lot in the offseason, so I wanted to kind of primer to enter the season, and I appreciate you for doing this. But is there anything else about this team or the season ahead that, that maybe hasn't been said and kind of covered already? I'm excited about it, like I said. I mean, expectations will be raised. Uh, I think rightfully so. But we got to go earn it. You know, I mean, it, it, it's great when people are talking about us in a certain light. Great, because that provides fan interest and all those things. Um, but it's got the makings of, of, of something. But it's going to have to happen organically, I think. And the way that you do that is through the blood, sweat and tears on the court. Um, and how do you fight through adversity and, and all those things? So we start up Monday. Um, I'm still actually, although I'm now 40 years old, but. I like the October 15th date. Um, I still think we start a little bit too early. So we'll try to be as creative to keep them fresh and chomping at the bit for November when we open up. Uh, but 
it's great to get your one out of the way and to get the COVID restrictions, to be able to do open practices and get the students over here, all things that we're going to plan on doing. Um, you know, obviously it's football season right now, but as we get closer and closer to get that interest going again. You're excited, it sounds like. I mean, it's what you do. So you, should, you should be. Yeah, I am. And you know what? I mean, it, it's your once really hard because you just don't know what you have. Um, but I, I tell every recruit this. When I was at Minnesota, and I loved Minnesota, and the people were awesome to me, and I don't regret one second of it. But I chose New Mexico because I want to win. And I believe New Mexico can win. And I didn't care where I was going, uh, what the level was, what conference. My next decision was going to be I want to win championships. And New Mexico's done that. And that's what we're striving to get to. I think you're just excited because you get to see media, local media, a lot more regularly now. And I've missed you guys greatly. I really have. Hey, I appreciate the time. Um, I do I do plan on doing a podcast uh, regularly throughout the season. So um, I'll touch base with you again, but also some assistants and some players, hopefully, you know, as we go throughout the season, if that's all right. Happy to help. I rarely say no. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. All right. There you go. There's my conversation with Richard Pertino as he enters his second season as the head coach of the Lobo men's basketball team ahead of the 2022-23 season. Again, still six weeks from the moment I'm recording this until the first game of the season for the Lobos on November 7th, but it is also, as I'm recording this, the first official day of practices for NCAA Division I basketball. They, they give them six weeks um, ahead of the first game is when they can start full team practices, and, and that's where we are. Still six weeks away, but it'll get here quick. It's getting closer. I'm excited about that. I love college basketball. I love covering college basketball at the Albuquerque Journal. And I love that you guys are listening to this podcast. We are going to do it weekly. Again, it'll be out every Tuesday. Probably give a little sneak peek every Monday as I actually upload it online every Monday evening. So you could probably catch it there. But every Tuesday, I'm going to have the Talking Grammar podcast. There's a full podcast archive on Spotify, on iTunes, you know, on you get wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully, these podcasts will be available there. But of course, obviously, every episode is available on abqjournal.com/sports. We're gonna have more digital-only coverage than ever before this season on the Albuquerque Journal's website. Still, obviously, a ton of coverage in print as well. But we're gonna have a lot of website-only video and audio coverage as well. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm excited about this coming season. I'm excited that you're back. I'm excited you're listening to this podcast. It's been a while since I did it, but we're making this happen on a weekly basis this season. So look forward to that. Glad you're back. abqjournal.com slash sports is where you can catch all our coverage and all of these podcasts. Until next time, see you next week on the Talking Grammar Podcast.